My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Bashi here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Robert Glazer. He's the founder of Acceleration Partners, a premier, a premier, sorry guys, global partner marketing agency. He's also an author, global keynote speaker, and the host of the Elevate podcast. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have some great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your podcast, your challenges, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Yeah, um, I've been a little bit of a serial entrepreneur, uh, tinkerer, uh, involved with growth businesses. Um, my main business is a company I started and founded called Acceleration Partners. That's about 350 people uh, globally today. We're a partner marketing agency, and we work with a lot of brands on scaling kind of digital partnership programs, which is a a niche industry. Uh, I've stepped out of the CEO role, but along the way, as we kind of grew the business, I started doing some writing. I started a little note to my team that on Fridays, which got spread outside the organization, I ended up re renaming it Friday Forward. A couple hundred thousand people around the world signed up for that. That kind of led to some more writing and speaking about leadership and culture and the things that we were kind of doing differently as 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 we built the business. Um, another business that that we spun off uh, and sold. And so I'm, I'm I'm spending my time these days a little more on the kind of writing and, and speaking and uh, sort of, I guess, coaching side, although I don't do direct one-to-one -one coaching. Okay. Were you always on the entrepreneurial path or did you do something else before you started this business? Uh, I probably always was. I, I, I worked in some other businesses and tried to be the person who came in and innovated and grow businesses for other people. And that's not a great position to be in. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I realized that that wasn't going to work. And so I realized I liked kind of fast growing businesses, but that actually a lot of them were pretty disruptive and had bad cultures and poor leaders. So I, I would rather work with them than for them. So I built a business that became one of those businesses, but our clients were a lot of fast growing businesses who we helped grow their business and we got to be around that. But we, we kind of focused on building uh you know, we've won over 30 different best places to work awards uh, over the years. So we've really focused on our, our culture and how we've built our business so that uh, it, you get that growth work, but without a lot of sometimes the toxic culture that comes with it. What's unique about your culture that other businesses don't have? Um, I think we're consistent between what we think, what we say, and what we do. It's not for everyone. I always tell like our job is to find the 2% of the people that are really good fit for our culture and our values, just like there's, there's a university for everyone. I think there's a culture. Sometimes the culture isn't what people say it is, right? They tell you one thing and it's another because they reward something or otherwise. I think, I think we're pretty consistent around what we think and what we say and what we do. And so I think people, people appreciate that. Uh, again, doesn't mean it's a fit for everyone. We're in an agency world. We're distributed. We're super fast paced environment. Like those are, those are things that are very true about how our business operates. And if you don't want to be in fast paced client service, it doesn't matter how much you like our co company and our core values. It won't, it won't be a great fit. Very interesting. 
what keeps you motivated? Um, I think like making a difference, helping people see, you know, my, my sort of purpose is to share ideas that help people in organizations grow. So I was saying to someone a few weeks ago, like I just launched a new book and, you know, I'm less concerned that people like the book or don't like the book, but when someone writes me and said, I read that chapter and I went back and I did that, it like made a difference in my organization or in my life. Like that's meaningful. It feels like I'm making a contribution in some way. So I know that something that you focus on is elevating your life and your business. Can you talk a little bit about what goes into that? Yeah, I mean, I talk a lot about sort of potential and how do we how do we meet our potential, which is a personal subject to me, both both in the, in the realm of leadership, which I think is probably the only way we're going to make a change in the world right now. Like if you're waiting for your elected officials or otherwise to improve your life, like that's really not going to happen. And so I think, you know, some of us, we've worked for good leaders, we've worked for bad leaders. And I just think the difference that they can make in our lives, in our businesses and kind of what we do. Uh, every day. So I just try to deconstruct, like, how do we, how do we get better? I think, I think in theory, everyone wants to get better, but um, you know, my, my sort of capacity building framework in both of my elevate books really gets into like, so how do I, so how do I actually do that? What do you think is the number one thing that's holding entrepreneurs back since you were talking about potential? And I think a lot of us aren't reaching the potential that we could be. Entrepreneurs or or everyone or or, or sort of uh, we can go with everyone. Um, I think I think it's a lot of I think it's self doubts or other people telling us things that we can or can't do or projecting their wants and needs on us. As I talk about in my books and the concept of spiritual capacity, which is not religious, but understanding your core values, your strengths, what you want most, building up from that. There's a lot of noise around things that we're doing for other people, and we might have been told things. Look, I was an entrepreneurial creative kid like i was told to like sit down and be quiet and color in the lines and things that weren't really helpful for the things that i was good at in fact if i think about what are all the things and qualities that make me successful today i think they were things that were probably discouraged across a wide swath of 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 the places i operated you know as a kid so i i i think a lot of times again it comes from uh our own self-limiting beliefs things people have said for us not being clear about what we really want versus what we think our parents want or our society wants or our school system wants and trying to sort of just, you know, run the run the path versus figure out again who we are, what we value, and then how do we align aspects of our life to that? I mean, so did you come from a background where your parents were supportive of your endeavors or was it kind of like you were going against the grain and you kind of had to overcome um, that challenge? Yeah, my parents were super supportive. I'd say yes and no. And then my parents were very supportive, but they were also kind of career work in the same job. I think the whole school system does does not, or the whole traditional educational system does not serve creative, not color in the lines people very well, because it's telling you color in the lines, follow the rules, do these things, stop interrupting. And 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 most of the creators and disruptors and innovators I've met, or whether they were dyslexic or ADD or, or or otherwise, like you know, they weren't doing very well in that system. That system did not reward those behaviors, right? Rewarded fill in the bu bubbles, get the answer right. And you're like, no, no, I got a totally different way of doing this. Like that's not it's not A or B, it's D. I um so so I think I think holistically that's true for for a lot of people who. Um, kind of are, are maybe in in that system. 
So how did you, I mean, you said yes and no. So can you talk about the no portion of that a little bit more? I guess what I, so my, what I'm trying to get at is what are some of your, I guess, tips or pieces of advice for people who, you know, are entrepreneurs and want to go do something different, but they're getting a lot of resistance from the people around them. Yeah. So a lot of people around you will tell you not to do things because they're afraid to do them, right? Or they're manifesting their own things around that they wish they had done it and they couldn't, or that's crazy. Or when they say you can't quit your job and do that, what they're really saying in cognitive distance is I couldn't quit my job and do that. So a lot of the advice that we get from other people is really around them justifying their own decisions and wanting to feel better about their own decisions, which is totally separate from sort of you. So I think the work you need to do is on yourself. Like, where am I happy? What are the environments? What do I value? You know, if you don't like following rules and you like breaking things like you, you, you should not go get a safe and steady job. That is, that is not good advice. Now, (laughs) some people need to put food on the table and otherwise, but uh, we tend to sort of our whole education system is kind of around there's one path and there's one answer. And even today it's like, you can't get anything wrong. Like we are creating such depressed, stressed out people because we are telling them when the stakes are low in life that you can't get anything wrong. Can't fail. Gotta be perfect. When the truth is, if you're going to be a brilliant scientist, you're going to suck at poetry and English and maybe some parts of math or history. And if you're going to be a brilliant historian, you're not going to be that interested in math or calculus. In fact, the valedictorians sort of underperform in life, if you look at the data, because anyone that would do that is like kind of doing it for the wrong reasons in some way. Like they're trying to be good at everything. When you think about people that are great they're great at something and they're not like not good and they're not good at the other stuff, right? They're happy to not be good and not even do the other stuff. They're not trying to be performative and and get a certain score on everything. Absolutely. No, you're, you're completely right. I just, I'm having flashbacks to when I was in school. It was the exact same way. I hated everything. Didn't want to do anything. I almost failed high school because I didn't want to do gym. <laughs> Yeah, look, and it clicked for me at some point. And I actually realized that I love to learn. And I'm sure this was true to you. I just didn't like what I was learning. So, you know, the the the, the real breakthrough for me was when I figured out I love to learn what I wanted to learn. And then I got all A's because it was, it was, it was what I wanted to do. It wasn't, yes. you know, I I could never pretend to be interested in something. And maybe that's a good quality or a bad quality. I don't think it's a bad quality to not. <laughs> You know, pretending. I mean, in some cases you have to do that, I think, but I, I think that's, you know, I, I think that's what we're encouraging some cases is for you to really get interested in something that you really don't want to be doing. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Do you ever feel like that, that quality has still impacts you in business? Or was that just kind of like a school school thing where you couldn't? No, I think. Look, once we get once we get into the real world, I think, and and I think once entrepreneurs start doing what they want to do, I mean, the 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 best ones that I've seen design their life around you know what they're good at and what they want to do, and they they stop doing all the stuff that they don't want to do. So I, I think that's the that's almost the huge. Uh, change and difference. And I think if, you know, even hiring people to do the things that you don't want to do and you're bad, I mean, you should hire an assistant that probably complements, you know, all your, all your weaknesses. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, I I think that's a little, uh, I think that's a little bit of the change from um, just, just, you know, doing it because you're supposed to. Absolutely. And I, I completely agree. So you've been in business basically your whole life. But what do you wish that you knew 
back when you first started that you know now? Um, I think the the advice that I, I look, I I I bet on yourself. I think the advice I'd give to people in their twenties is to focus on your learning. I see a lot of people chasing money or a title or otherwise, like get under a great leader, focus on your earnings. I mean, on your learning in your 20 and how much you can learn. You, you are always discriminated against from a pay standpoint when you're 20s, you'll be always underpaid. But if you wanna be overpaid and stuff in your 30s and your 40s, it will be the, it will be the what you learned and the people you met and otherwise. So I think particularly a lot of people in the last couple of years who chased a lot of things and moved around for money and destroyed their networks and didn't learn, they're going to find that that kind of comes home to roost to them now that they're moving into their income producing uh, years versus the people who really honed on, became experts, built great networks, worked for great leaders. Uh, I, I, I would I would really focus on the long game, not the short game at that point. Mm-hmm. So what are, I guess, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing in your business right now? Uh, well, look, we're in marketing and advertising, so it's a tough slog. We've had demand spike, supply spike, demand spike. You know, now it's kind of a little bit of, you know, we've been sailing in the wind for a couple of years. So I think, I guess it's true for any business, but particularly, you know, our, you know, we're two to three years. And I think people are like, when are we going to kind of get to more of like a a normal not crisis mode. And, and mm-hmm. you can sense some uh, fatigue from that, which is totally uh, understandable. Absolutely. What do you think are some of the things that are causing this crisis mode? Um, I mean, COVID, su- supply shocks, demand shock, free, then tight to the economics. I, I think trying to, the, the Fed and trying to cycles and not letting organic things work their way through the system tends to create more of these uh, exacerbated uh, high and low moments, right? I mean, we kept money free when uh, things were spiking out of control and people were overpaying for houses. And then, you know, we choked off all money, you know, on, on the flip side at a rate that we've never done before. And now we're finding out like, the impact of that on banks and otherwise and and, and lending. So it, it's just been a lot of like this the last couple of years. And I think, you know, it's never flat, but I think, you know, people would like to get more. It's very hard to plan ahead in this world right now. I mean, I'm someone who usually plans kind of two to three years ahead. And uh, it's uh, it, it's been really hard to do that. Oh, yeah. Especially especially now. You never know when things are all going to go to shit. <laughs> Well, it's just whatever your problem is this quarter, it's different than last quarter. And look, AI is is even making that uh, I think you know things faster, uh, and and it's a little um, you know it's it, it, things just move really really fast right now. Yeah, but I mean, you bring up a good. I wanted I actually would love to ask you about this. How are you implementing AI in your own business if you are at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're looking at it everywhere. Um, like we have a top-down project going up, uh, a bottoms-up project going up, teams on on both, you know, efficiency and otherwise. Like, I, I think if you're not, I don't, I, it's not, I heard someone say, you're not going to lose your job to AI, you're going to lose your job to someone who knows how to use AI. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. this is a pretty substantial, this is a little bit like, like, are we going to pay attention to this internet thing or not, you know, in, in, in 1998, are we going to ignore it? I, I think it's going to change a lot of things. But I people, I think the people that 
learn it and use it and incorporate it. I mean, we're doing things where it's cut 20 to 30% of our, our time uh, out. Um, and, and I think anyone who's just not paying attention, I think it might wake up one day and find some competitor that has kind of blindsided them. Um, I mean, I learned yesterday that you can translate, uh, you can have AI completely narrate your audio book after it records like a hundred words with you and then possibly translate it under different languages. So if you're an author and you're, and now you can publish audio books in a hundred languages, like that's a totally different game that you might want to pay attention to. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That is so cool. Slash scary, but yes. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a little dystopian if you ask me, but. It's all, you know, it's, it's, all moving, it, it's all moving very quickly. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. What is your, I mean, I know that we're already, you know, in April, almost May, but what is your focus going to be for the rest of 2023? Um, I'm not sure that I have a singular focus. I mean, I set out kind of my goals and objectives at the beginning of the year and things that I want to work on. And then I break those into quarters. So uh, I'm sort of just kind of attacking those across personal, family, business, and, and, and community. And again, those are things that all tie to long-term goals and values that are important, important to me. Um, so I don't, I, there's not a single unifying thing. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and let's cover your podcast a little bit. So what was the intention behind starting it? Let's start with that. Um, it was a little bit of an accident. Um, we actually started, uh, we started the, the, the podcast, um, as a marketing podcast, cause we're a, um, marketing, uh, uh, agency and, but we do performance marketing and I decided that, well, it would be maybe boring for people to just hear about, uh, marketing. Um, so why don't we make it about all performance? And I kind of reached out to some people that I admired and things that they were doing and folks like Dan Pink and started to do some marketing stuff, but also we get all these other really interesting discussions about performance and human performance. And eventually that became kind of the most popular part. And it became a little bit weird to have like uh, tactical marketing stuff and then uh, a lot of this other stuff. And so, uh, eventually we split the podcast, um, off uh and made a marketing one that was a marketing one and then uh you know started focusing on elevate and really doubling down on who are really who are the people that i admire really interesting speakers people i want to have a conversation with breaks down some element of of performance with a sort of business uh angle to it and yeah we just hit a million downloads last year after four years and it'll probably hit our second million uh this year as it continues to grow Oh, that's awesome. What are what are some of your favorite strategies for growing your podcast? Um, good content. Look, as much as I'm a marketer, like I, I think that I get off a conversation, I'm like, that's an amazing conversation. People are going to love it. I get people asking to pay to be on or doing other stuff. I'm like, I'm not really excited about having the conversation. I think that's going to come through to the to the audience. Okay. Are there any other strategies that you use as a marketer? I really haven't marketed the podcast until now, other than um, turning it into content, uh, you know, sometimes talking about it my Friday forward. I, we, we are just starting to do some 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 marketing. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm cross promoting with some friends, uh, kind of joining a network, but but it, it's been zero marketing to date. Very interesting, very cool. And you got to a million downloads on the way to the second million. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I think, look, if, if you focus on something for the wrong reasons, I, I see a lot of people, when I just came out with my second book, I followed up with a lot of podcast hosts, big names otherwise, and they're like, I'm not doing the podcast anymore. And, and I think, I don't know whether people did it for the wrong reasons. They wanted to help their business. They thought it would make money. Uh, and then it just, you know, nothing's that easy. And then it just wasn't as easy. And they put a ton of money into marketing and launching it. And then the reality set in, which is that it probably is more expensive produced than, than the revenue that they're generating on it. And um, again, for me, like the expectation was always, can I have some really interesting conversations with people that I admire? And even if you told me I'd never make a dollar, like I'd want to have these conversations and I have one chance to spend an hour with them. And again, I just kept doing that and putting that into the world. And that I never had an expectation that it would do anything or help me with anything or get anything other than I wanted to have those conversations. If you talk to people that have had really good success with content that aren't, I want to say marketing scammers, but let's say marketing experts who take, I would say, mediocre stuff and figure out how to promote the hell out of it. Um, a lot of them will say, I did this for 10 years. And then the hockey stick was like at year seven. And then people started going and finding my old stuff. You know, they just, I just did it really well. I did it for a long time. And then eventually I got rewarded, but they weren't doing it for a specific reason. I think people are looking to get something out of it, you know, too quickly. I see. So then what are some of your favorite strategies for monetizing the podcast? Uh, I haven't monetized it either. Um, oh. but. Uh, I, again, we get inbound, um, and we do that. Uh, I think, you know, now, uh, I'm focusing on it, uh, a little bit more, but I'm, I'm just really now starting to focus on, all right, well, how do we, how do we grow it a little more by, by connecting with the people, uh, in my network? And then look, if you have a certain amount of listeners, then monetization is available to your podcast. It's a pretty simple formula. If you get to 10,000 downloads an episode, people are going to want to advertise on your podcast. So uh, that's, that's kind of, there's always a rule of a road in every industry and you could read every article you want, but like, basically when you get to 10,000 downloads an episode, people will want to <laughs> advertise on your podcast. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And you're at, you're at a million, so I'm sure people are knocking down your door. Uh, yeah. And I got to, you know, decide which ones to do. So we're, we're, we're kind of figuring that out now. Um, Again, now that we're going to spend some money, it'd be nice to to help cover that. Again, I think a lot of people have found their podcast to be a cost center that they weren't uh, expecting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What do you love the most about podcasting? Again, I just like those conversations. Um, I like having a chance to sit down, have that interview. Again, for some people, it's going to be the one chance I'm going to have that conversation and I just like that. Let's, I think that style and it's, and it's real in a world where a lot of things are edited and produced and, you know, you will know that this podcast was not generated by AI. You know, you might not know that that article was not generated by AI. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Cause you know, there, I, AI can copy certain songwriters now or certain, yeah. you know, artists and then they can write songs in their style like that i didn't even think about that i'm oh, sure it could have a, a a a yeah a whole discussion between podcast. you and i if it had enough of our things but again it would be it would be not real it would be not spontaneous it would not have emotion in the traditional sense in it so i think people are going to do a lot of stuff uh to me a lot of the time saving of, of the really like things that people don't want to do is the really interesting part of uh, AI. I think people are going to write articles and create content, do all kinds of stuff that that 
is just going to fill space that's not really providing value. And they're going to re reach out to a million more things and try to sell them stuff they don't need. And when you start doing that, then there'll be an opportunity for someone who wants to pay a little more attention. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Robert, thank you so much for coming on. Before we jump off, do you have any pieces of advice, any tips for um, entrepreneurs and podcasters just in, in general? Uh, again, I, a lot of times because I'm in affiliate marketing too, people will say, what kind of website should I start? I, I know I'm not giving the sort of tips that, you know, quick tips that people like, what kind of website should I start that I can make a lot of money, you know, as a publisher? And my answer is always all the sites that I've seen make a lot of money as publishers created really good content sites because they had a passion about grills or beauty or baby products or something. And they, they got this whole audience and then they turned on monetization, right? I think this is the whole chicken and egg problem. If you're trying to create content just to figure out how to make money on it, you're not going to have the passion around that. You're not going to create the stuff that's really authentic. You're going to kind of then, you know, oh, again, how do I, how do I get people to buy mediocre content, you know, or, or, or sell mm -hmm. through that? So make sure you're doing something you're passionate. Like I said, if I never made a dollar on the podcast or otherwise, these are 200 conversations I would have loved to have had. And so I think you need to just think about your intentions and also how long you're willing to put up for it. Don't start a podcast if you're not willing to do a year's worth of episodes with no results. Because again, if you think you're going to do two, three months, and it's going to break through and it's just not going to, it's not going to happen. So I, I think a lot of times in life, we get rewarded a little bit with our resiliency and our, our longevity. If we're looking for that kind of overnight quick hit, uh, I, I think we're going to be disappointed. Absolutely. I completely agree. Once again, Robert, thank you so much for coming on. If anybody's looking to get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to find you? Yeah, I think all my information is at uh, Robert Glazer, G L A Z E R dot com. All right. Thank you so much. Group, if Great. you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six figure entrepreneur and would like to come to the show, please visit top100interview.com. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.